It's my laptop. guys hey you probably heard that weird name at the introduction and you're like who is that this is what a manyoki looks like take it in it's pretty special probably the first one in your life for a lot of you yeah yeah there we go love it um so my name is manyoki i'm over at our oceanside congregation yeah yeah we have i think we have one person here which is fantastic and amazing um you're wondering where's my name from i'm actually i was born in kenya um, Kenya, hey, we know each other. Oh, no, we don't. Um, so I was, I was born in Kenya, moved to Pittsburgh, uh, came to California, got a job at Mariners. You don't really care about that. Every youth pastor I've ever seen come up to talk to a bunch of kids always talks about their wife. So this is my wife. I don't know if, do we have the, huh? Yeah, that's her. She's great looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. And the ladies in this room, you're all going to go aw because I just had a, a, I have a four-month-old daughter and she looks like that. Right? Right? All right, let's get up and worship again. We're done here. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Right? Um, a, lo- a couple of things about me, and I want to get you involved in this, right? So I'm going to tell you what I love and what I hate. And if you agree with me when I say I love XYZ, you're going to say yeah really loud. Is that cool? All right. Can everybody say yeah? yeah? All right. Here we go. I love gelato. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I love ramen. Yeah. I love kimchi. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love fish tacos. Yeah. Okay. I hate olives. Yeah. Y'all my people. You're my people. Here we go. I hate Cheetos. And now we're not friends. Okay. Um, I hate goldfish. Both the fish and the snack. All right. Here's the other one. This is testy. One more. It's about to be three, man. I hate roller coasters. All right. And listen, it's just not a hate. It's an absolute fear. I am scared of roller coasters. Anybody else here with me? You can't do roller coasters? There's only a couple of you. I vibe with you. Listen, I had one of the most like incredibly scary experiences with anything that feels like a roller coaster ever in my life, right? If you ever watch the movie Dune, they have a line that says, fear is the mind killer. I'm going to tell you, fear is a date killer. When I was in high school, around your age, I went to a camp, much like this, for a week, and there was a girl I really liked. Her name was Angela. Angela was not the girl on the screen, okay? Angela and I decided we were going to hang out at this park in Erie, Pennsylvania, called Waldemere. And so what we did is we spent the entire day together, I know, and we went on the gondola, we went the merry-go-round, we did all the funnel cake stuff, and then it came time to ride the rides. 
And I am deathly afraid of roller coasters. But I said, for Angela, I will. For Angela, I will. Yeah, right? Aw. So, so I got on this thing. We started with this thing called the sea dragon. And it looks like this. You ever seen one of these? It's a roller coaster type thing. We're not friends anyway, right? Three strikes? Okay, so I got on this thing, and we got on the back, and I'm sitting next to Angela, and we're looking at each other, lovey-dovey eyes, everything's lovely, and it starts doing the swinging thing, right? And I'm like, oh, this is okay. And then you know when the moment that you start seeing the ground? Yeah, yeah something changed in me. I, I freaked out. And it wasn't just one of those like, oh, please get me off, I'm holding on tight. It was like me screaming at the operator, stop this thing, I'm done, get me off. And Angela started looking at me like, who are you? And it just kept going. And you know when they start a ride, they don't stop it. So the entire time, I started shaking this thing, going like this. It was one of the most embarrassing things in my life. And that's because fear can sometimes make you do or act dumb. Fear can lead you in the wrong directions. In fact, there's three types of, of fear. Can everybody say three? three? Three types of fear. The first one is rational. Rational fear is it, it, it occurs and you feel like an imminent threat. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you talk to a neighbor for five seconds. Tell them a rational fear that you have. A fear that is an imminent threat. Ready? Three, two, one, go. And stop. The second one, everybody say two. Everybody say two. The second one is primal fear. This is fear that everybody seems to have. It's like inbuilt into all of us, okay? So ready? Three, two, one. Share with the person a primal fear. All right. And this is where, everybody say three. This is where it gets really crazy and where everybody gets per like really personal. There's an irrational fear. These are the ones that just don't make sense, okay? Everybody has one. With your neighbor, share one. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So, for me... A lot of you guys would go and say, Manyoki, roller coasters are a irrational fear. But for me, the reason why I freaked out as it was going is because it was a very rational fear. The thing is, for me, I literally thought I was going to die. I really did. And it affected how I lived my life. It affected the decisions that I made. We're in the book of Daniel, and we're tracking with some people who have a real reason to fear. They have a real reason to be scared. It's a rational fear. The whole nation, a whole group of people has been taken from one place all the way to another. Imagine if you're waking up one day and you're scrolling on the TikTok, which all of us do, right? You're scrolling on the TikTok, you're liking some videos, sending it to your best bud or whatever, that's how old I am, and then and then all of a sudden, somebody comes to your door and says, leave everything, hooks you up by the arm or the nose, and says, we're going to start walking. You're now ours. Yeah. Right? Imagine. 
Imagine day by day, this isn't a car ride. This is not a train ride. This is not a plane ride. You're walking away from your home, chained up with other people, day by day, watching your home behind you disappear. All the places you've loved, the gelato, the ramen places, all the people that you care about, everything is disappearing behind you and you're just entering a vast desert. You never know when you're coming back. You don't know if you're going to live. They're barely giving you any food or any water. This is the situation that these people were in. And they didn't march for one or two days. It was weeks. Hooked up to one another, sleeping on the ground, wondering, where am I going? And then they walk into their city, into the new place. And it's not like, you know, when you land on a plane, you kind of see it and it looks all nice. It's this large, imposing wall that takes you, you can see it from a distance from the, first, from the last day, and it gets closer and closer and closer. New smells, new sounds, everything looks different, and you're like, they tell you, this is now your home. This is now where you're going to live. This is now where you're going to serve. Forget everything that you've ever known. Forget everything that you've ever done. Forget the things that you love. Those no longer matter. You are ours. That's what was happening. In the book of Daniel, Daniel and his crew, your age, woke up one day. We're told, let's start walking. We're taken away from their home, watched it disappear behind them, and then walked into a place where they had no connections, nothing comfortable, nothing of their own. So for some of you in this room, you know what that feels like. You've moved from one place to another. You've been in, anybody moved in a U-Haul before and you kind of watch your house like disappear behind you, right? Yeah. Last day of high school when I, was graduate, when I graduated, my parents, we packed our house and we drove away. And I did not see any one of those friends again for years, right? It was so strange. And that little bit of feeling, that angst that you have, that fear of the unknown, that's what these guys had. And as they're walking in, not only is it that they're saying, this is now your home, a whole new journey starts. And this is where it says, it says this in uh, Daniel 1, 3 to 5. The king ordered his chief eunuch, his name is Ashpenaz, to bring some of the Israelites from a royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good looking, such as me, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledge, perceptive and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language, which is the language of, the, of Babylon, and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you want to destroy someone's culture and identity, you do exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. Not only did they bring them from one place to another and say, that's no longer your home, you're now with us, you belong to us, but they also said, we're going to wipe out your culture. You're not going to have any Israelite Jewishness within you. You are going to be Babylonian. And so what they do, and you'll see this all across, if any of you are history buffs, anytime a country takes over another and wants to impose their rules, this is what they do. They choose the most influential people, your TikTok influencers, they choose those. They take them away. 
They teach them their language, and they say, no longer is English your language. You now speak what we speak. No longer do you eat the food that you ate. You now eat what we eat. No longer do you eat the food that you ate. You eat what we eat. No longer do you drink the stuff that you used to drink. You drink what you drink. And it doesn't matter how hard it is for you. Your, your culture is done. It's over. You are ours. And that's what you do. And the same way that they strip a culture, they strip the person. So who do they pick? Who do they pick to be these people that would be influential and would start the transformation of this Jewish culture into the Chaldean culture? Here's who it says in Daniel 1.6. Among them, the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And these guys fit all of the requirements. They were good-looking they were smart, they were perceptive, they were capable, and reality, guys, is that they were all your age. They didn't pick anybody that was older than a teenager, because that's another thing you do. When you want to change a culture, when you want to change a people, you don't pick the old ones, you start with the young ones. That's where you start. They start with you, because you are moldable. You can make decisions for the future. You will guide the future generations. The generation that is already before you, they're kind of done with the influence. You guys are now the influencers. So they pick you and say, we're going to change you. And your parents, they can keep doing their stuff. But by the time we're done with you and your generation, by the time you fear us, by the time you, you, are, you are doing what we're doing, nobody else will ever remember what it meant to be Israelite. Nobody will ever remember what it's like to follow God. What we'll do is we will follow you. So they did as they were told. They took away their identity. They put on new clothes on them and almost to the point, not even almost to the point, to the point where they even changed their names. To the point where they changed their names. When you change somebody's name, you basically wipe out what was before. So my name is what? My name's what? Thank you. Okay. So there's this thing that sometimes people that are foreign do when they come to a new country. They change their because they want to do what? Fit? Fit in, right? And that was really, so, so when, I was in, when I was in eighth grade, I was scared. I had a fear of being, feeling left out. And so what I did was I said, everybody's having trouble remembering my name. I'm in eighth grade in a new school. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them an English name. I'm going to give myself a new name so that I would fit in with what, who they were. And so I decided that my name was no longer going to be Munyoki, it was going to be James. And from the very moment, which is very odd, <laughs> well, I picked James, but from the very moment I picked the name James, you know what happened? I thought I lost a bit of myself because your name is your identity. Whatever your name is, is a very powerful thing to you. In fact, it said this, that if somebody says your name to you, if you've just met them, it actually sends these signals in your mind that says, I'm important to this person. And so if somebody comes up to you and says your name wrong, like they do all the time at Starbucks for me, what they actually say is, you're not worth it. And so that's what they did in Babylon. They said, not only is your culture gone, but so is your name. And so they gave them new names. Belteshazzar is Daniel's new name. Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, Abednego to Azariah. And, and, and so not only have they, they've changed their names now, they're now in the king's palace. They're walking in day by day during, doing the thing. And I honestly think 
that out of all the Israelites, these guys might have had it the easiest. They were the most cush because if they just went along with everything, it would be okay, right? They were in the king's palace, eating the king's food, eating the, drinking the king's wine, living in the king's house. All the other Israelites were probably outside in the outskirts of the city or in prison or something like that. But these four guys, these people had the best life. All they had to do was serve the king, forget who they were, forget everything about who they were, and just serve the king. And let me tell you, if I was honest, if I was in the same position, you know what I would do? I'd roll with it too. I would. Because I've just come into a new land and my home is gone. Everything that I've known has disappeared. Everything that I've loved is gone. And I've gone into a place and I'm really scared. Where am I going to fit in? I feel alone. Everything's new. And somebody's saying, if you just follow me, I'll take care of you. And everything will be okay. Just roll with it. Babylon was an easy place. And, and real talk, real quick, that's the kind of culture that we live in. We live in a very persuasive culture. And if you don't know that, let me give you a little bit of, of a knock to the head for a couple seconds. Everything that you see on your phone, every movie that you watch, every TV show that you love has people in boardrooms trying to convince you of something. That's what they do. Disney, when they make a Marvel movie, when they're making a TV show on Netflix, they are sitting down and saying, what do we want our people, the people that are watching it, to get from this show? Every rapper you listen to, all the music you listen to, there are people in boardrooms that have approved this song and disapproved this song. And they know if they send you in a certain direction, they will have your mind, your money, your emotions, they will have you. It's the truth. Uh, let me tell you how, how I know this. When, when I was a kid, it was right when a show came fa called Family Guy was really big. Okay? Yeah, everybody, yeah. Okay? So, so, so that show, I watched it religiously. Like, I would watch it every single night. To the point where, get this, all my jokes started to be from that show. I didn't, know anything, I didn't know anything else funny. When I'd go with my friends, I would make jokes about, like, this show. I would make jokes as if I was in the show. I would call my mom, mom, mama, mom, mom. If you know the meme, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I would do that. That's because, listen, what you take in changes you. And the people that are creating all the media that you're taking in, whatever influencer is, whatever movie there is, they're doing that same exact thing. They spend hours in boardrooms behind screens to coach you into just rolling with it. And then when you feel like you're not, you're scared because they're like, I, I feel behind. I feel left out. Has anybody ever watched a show or didn't watch a show and all your friends were watching a show and you were like, I have to watch it in order to fit in? Anybody been there? Yeah, let's be honest, we're, right? That, that's a real thing. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. That fear is a real thing. And our culture is built on it. That fear is real. And they just want you to roll with it. 
But our bro, Daniel, Daniel here had a different idea of what he wanted to do. And this is what he said. Daniel 1.7 says this. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. The word here is Daniel resolved. Can everybody say resolve? Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself, that he would not just roll with it. Daniel understood that when you change somebody's identity, they control you. Then that when they can make you scared to, into acting the way that they do, they control you. And so what he decided, he was like, I'm going to resolve. I'm going to stand firm. I am not going to shift. I'm not going to be scared of the king. Now, here's the thing. The eunuch was scared of the king. So when Daniel came up to him and said, listen, I will not do it. I will eat what my culture used to eat, what the eunuch did. But he was like, no, I'm scared of the king. Because if the king finds out that you're not eating his food, he'll kill me. And while Daniel said, he's like, I trust my God. So let me tell you what. Let me eat my food, and I bet you I'm going to be better looking than all the other guys that eat your food. And if you know the story, guess what happened? He was better. He was stronger. He was healthier looking. His resolve helped him stay strong. Daniel's name actually means God is my judge. That's what the name Daniel means. When we function as if we're fearing man, when we are constantly fearing the, uh, wanting the approval of others because we are scared of missing out, when FOMO rules our lives, when we are just rolling with it because we want to just fit in, when things are hard and we make poor decisions out of fear, we lose sight on who we are and who we serve. See, the fear of man will never lead you to be whole. The fear of man will never lead you to peace. I don't care who you are. I tried fitting in for so much of my life and I was always, I always felt left out. Like there was always something more I had to do. It was never, what's the word? Enough. And if you've been, if you've been with me, can you say amen? amen? It's never enough. It leads you to knowing yourself it, leads, it never leads you to knowing yourself or your creator better. It never leads you towards more wisdom. It'll never lead you to look up. In fact, if you ever see somebody who's afraid of fitting in, afraid of circumstances, afraid of, uh, of missing out, you know what they're always looking? They're always looking down. Somebody that's scared, somebody that lives in fear is always looking down. But when God is your judge, you are looking you look up because you don't fear what is here on earth. You don't fear man. You don't roll with it. You are looking up because God is my judge. Daniel only feared one thing, and that was God. And fear here isn't the fear of, he is going to strike me down. It's not the fear of, if I do something wrong, God is going to punish me. This is awe and respect. I am in awe of God. The song we just sang saying, said, fill me with, what's the word? Wonder. Everybody, it's like, fill me with wonder. Wonder is awe. We are saying, God, fill me with awe of you. That's literally what we sang. That is fearing God. It says, and respect. 
Daniel knew at the end of the day there was no earthly king and no man that could stand higher than God. So like Daniel had his name before he got to Babylon. Listen, Daniel already had his definition. Before he got to Babylon, when he was at home, when he was marching through this desert, his name was God is my judge. Before he got to a place where he had to make decisions, and it's the same for you. See, trials are going to come in your life. There are going to be moments where you are seriously afraid. There are going to be moments where you just feel like you're going to have to roll with it. That people are going to make you feel like you're left out. You're going to be filled with fear, frustration, nervousness, anxiety. And you know what, what comes before that? What will save you from that? Having that name before you get there. Having that identity before you get there. Daniel was God is my judge. What is yours? What's your identity in God? See, God calls you his child. God says you are his. No man here owns you. Nobody on earth owns you. Only God does. Only he deserves your glory. Only he deserves your praise. Only he deserves your fear. Only he deserves your worship. Daniel made a decision not to conform to the age. In fact, there's this verse in Romans 12, 1 to 2 that I think is so critical for you guys in this room that are like, I don't want to just roll with it. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're one of those people that you have a cell phone, you want a background that will make you stand strong every single day, this is it. It says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. The Bible says, listen, you know how you don't go with the age. You know how you just don't roll with it. You know how your fear doesn't just take you over. You're transformed by your what? Your mind. It starts up here. The decisions you make. Daniel made a decision. When they said, here's your new name, here's what you're going to eat, Daniel said, no, I will not be conformed to this age or this place. I have chosen with my mind to go a new direction. I have chosen with my mind to seek somewhere else. He had a clear mind about who he served and who he feared. What about you? What about you? When it comes to the hard times, when you're filled with fear, where's your mind? Daniel was set. Are you? Because the reality is this, the Bible says this, you will be whole and you will find peace when this is your truth. Fear God, not man. Fear God and not man. That ride with Angela Nagy, I don't even know if I told you my, her name, Angela Nagy at that ride at, at that um, amusement park that was on, was, was, I got scared and I ran away. That, that fear had control of me. And sometimes in our life, we feel like we're in that same roller coaster. We're looking down at the ground, and it's a rational fear. I am going to die if I don't do something. I'm going to miss out if I don't do something. Something will get more rough if I don't do something. What if you stood firm like Daniel did? What if I just stayed on that ride, trusting that that thing was going to hold me in? I might still be, um, I don't want to, but I could still be with Angela today. I'm just saying. 
That'd be really weird, but it's not true, and I'm thankful. I love my wife. But that's the truth. When, when you're in a situation and fear overwhelms you, you can miss out on opportunities if you don't stand firm. Stand firm like Daniel did. Lean on God and his promises. Hold him higher than anyone else. It may not be easy, but God promises you he will never leave you nor forsake you. You guys know it. Do you trust that? That if I rely on God in times that are hard, that are rough, where I'm filled with fear, when culture's coming at me and just saying, woe with it, if I stand firm and trust God, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Of course, when you say that, life starts to get, starts to push up on you. When you start taking a stand for God, when you fear God and not man, life comes after you. And it's easier said than done. And it got hard for Daniel and his crew. See, as Daniel and the crew were in the king's household, it got more and more clear as they stood more and more firm that they don't fear the king. And if you're taking over a group of people and the people that you have brought in to help take over the culture and make the old culture disappear, if they start defying you, you get pretty what? You get pretty mad. I got to do something about this. And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar starts doing, the king of Babylon. He got to a point where he actually believed that Daniel's God was God. But for him, he was like, no, I need to wipe out their culture. They need to fear me. So they came to a crossroads. Because here's the thing. In life, listen to this. In life, there are people that will lift you up because of your convictions, only to turn around the next day and bring you down again. Anybody been there? They will cheer you on because of the things that you believe. And as soon as they disagree with it, they will turn their back on you. That is what happens in life. There will be situations that one day seem perfect and the next day are incredibly difficult. Life will put you to the fire. It will put you in a position where fear can take hold. And that is called a trial. Can everybody say the word trial? Trial. Trial. Trials come. It's born out of fear. When things in your life come in and say, choose me because it's scary, because it's hard, that is called a trial. At my first job coming out of college in church, I had a trial. One day, my boss looked at me and said, you are doing a great job, keep going. And then the next day, somebody said something that I hadn't done, and I was in his office, and I was being reprimanded. Trial. Soccer coach, you're doing great helping lead this team. The next day, we've got to talk. Trial. Friends, hey, you're my friend. I'll show up at your party. I'll show up. I'm going to support you. I got your back. The next day, uh, they're not there. Trial. Oh, I was going to get into the school that I always wanted. I got the position that I always wanted. I got the job that I always wanted, and it didn't land. Trial. Daniel came to that same point. This is what it says in, in, uh, in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made, I'm going to call him King Nebu from now on, if that's okay. Can everybody just say Nebu? Nebu. Nebu. Okay, my dude Nebu made a gold statue, 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, so in the capital city. King Nebu, Nebu sent word to the assemble everyone important. He said, everyone that's important, I've got something to say. So they all showed up at that, uh, at that place when they dedicated the statue to the king. 
Then they stood before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar, Nebu, made of himself. So the guy literally said, I want a 90-foot statue of me. Okay? Then a herald loudly proclaimed, da-da-da-da, people of every nation and language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, and all these other instruments, you are all to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Oh, that's nice. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be blown, um, thrown into a blazing furnace. So there was a choice. Nebuchadnezzar finally decided, you know, how, you know what? I'm going to get everybody to throw away their gods by worshiping me. So when the instrument plays, when the horn sounds, all of you fall first, first on the ground in front of Nebuchadnezzar in a sign of surrender. So Nebuchadnezzar is basically saying, hey, I'm God, and I'm going to demand your worship. And he uses fear and not love, awe or respect to compel it. And here's what I want you to remember today. God will never use punishment or death to compel you to follow him. He will not do that. That is a tool of man. Man uses death. God uses love. That's what he does. And so Nebuchadnezzar is saying, if you don't worship me, if you don't follow me, you will die. I will throw you to an excruciating death. So Daniel and his crew, specifically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, chose, they resolved not to worship the statue of Nebu. Because when, and, and here's what happened. They stood out. Because when you stand up for God, you stand out. When you stand firm in God, you stand out. And sometimes, guys, when you stand up for God in life, you can stand out either positive or negative. You can stand up for God and somebody could come to you and say, that's dumb, why would you ever think that? Somebody, you could stand up for God and somebody could come to you and say, great job, high five, I'm with you. But the, re, the, the truth is, it's not the accolades you should be going for. It should be, I stand up for God. Yes. That's it. And when you stand up for God, you stand out. Because sometimes we will stand up for God because we're fear of missing out or we want people to accept us, but the reality is God just wants you to stand up for him. That's it. So, Nabu, getting really mad, said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods and worship the gold statue you have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the music of all those things, you better fall down to the thing I made. But if you don't worship me, you would immediately be thrown in the furnace of blazing fire. And who is a God that can rescue you from my power? So now the king of Babylon, the most powerful person on earth, is coming to these three guys that have stood firm and has said to them, if you do not fall flat, you're going to die and God will not save you. I would be shaking in my boots right then. He's the most powerful man on earth. That's like the president saying, if you don't pay my taxes, if you don't pay your taxes, I'm going to throw you in jail. Pay your taxes, y'all, right? That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to create that situation where you're like, if you want to live, you must follow me. Note this, though. He says, I'll throw you in the fire. You'll die. People will know that I am more powerful than your God. For everyone else, they all fell down. They all fell down because they had fear of death, irrational fear, and fear of man, which I'm going to say is irrational. And it ruled the trial. They hit the trial, and they said, you know what? I'm scared. I'm just going to do what the guy says. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we will stand firm. In fact, they said, we don't, need you. We don't even need to give you an answer to this question. 
Basically, he said, talk to the hand because the face don't want to listen. That's what they said. If we serve, if the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But if he does not rescue us, we want you as the king to know, listen to this, we will not serve your God or worship this golden statue you set up. Basically, they said, if God saves us in the fiery pit, guess what? You'll know who our God is. But if God doesn't save us and we die, we still won't worship you. We still won't follow you. Death is better than fear of man. That's what those guys are saying. They showed their resolve. And that's where perseverance comes in. That's where resilience comes in. Here's what we learn. First, if you want resilience in your life, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some of you already know how the story ends. I'm not going to go there. But listen to this. First, you don't waver. You don't waver. They stood firm even in front of the most powerful man in the world. They did not shake. To our earthly selves, it makes sense that we would be scared and do whatever Nebu says. It does make sense because they trusted God. But because they trusted God, because they trusted God, and God had already shown up over and over and over and over again, they stood firm. Basically said, he has already proved himself once. Why should I move now? Because God will continue doing so. Don't waver. Number two, because God has shown up in your life before and you know that he'll do it again, you trust him. You trust him. That's what they said. Listen, if the God we serve chooses to save us, we will worship him, and you will worship him. And if he chooses not to save us, we still trust him, and we will still be thrown in the fiery pit, and we will die because we trust him. We trust him. And the reason you can trust him when things are hard, when things are difficult, when you're facing death, is because you're holding on to eternity. Can I tell you something, guys? This isn't it. This is not it. There is better to come. There is better to come. It's a place called what? It's better. See, the world will have you think. You've got to live, in fact, out of fear. You've got to pack everything into life now and just do whatever. Live it out because this is it. But if you believe in God and you trust in Jesus, you know this isn't it. And when you know this isn't it, you don't got to fear anyone on earth. You only fear the one who's got eternity in his that's the only person that you fear. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. God does keep his words. And he is for your good. And when you believe in that, you know he is for your good for all of eternity. No hold bars. He is for your good forever and ever. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to give you the best of what you've got for all of eternity. He's better. God is better. So yes, you can fall down at the feet of Disney, influencers, friends, whatever it may be that, you, that is encouraging that fear or that just, I'm going to roll with it in my life. But when you realize that this is not all that God has to offer, that there's so much more, you don't have to hold on to that. You don't have to fear, man, you can be resilient. This is how you're resilient in difficult times. When things are especially hard, 
People with high resilience, you know what I think of with people with high resilience? It's, have you ever seen a free climbing rock climber? Have you ever seen those guys? They start on the bottom of a mountain without any, like how crazy. They start on the bottom. Okay, so I'm going to let you in for a little black culture. Black people, we see that and say, heck no. They got me. Right? There's no way you're going to catch me free climbing without any rope on a mountain. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. Resilient people have everything they have they need in their minds. For a right climber, I watched a Disney documentary about this guy who free climbs. You know what he, you know what he said? I just got to make sure that my feet and my hands and my mind are in the right position. I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't have to worry about the wind, the sun, the clouds. If I have my goal, if I'm looking up, and I have those three things in mind, I will persevere. I will be resilient. I will make it. People with high resilience, no matter what they do, keep just a few things in their mind, and it drives everything that they do. And these are your three. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to not conform to this age, if you want to stand up and stand firm, that when strong people in your life come in and try to compel you using fear, you can say, no, I follow God. This is what they do. They don't waver. They trust God, and they understand this isn't it. There's more. He's better. There's better. You can take everything away. But if I have God, I have no reason to fear anything on earth. 1 Peter 6, 9 says this, you rejoice even now for a short time, if necessary. You suffer grief in various styles so that proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, though perishable, is refined by fire. May result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is this, you will encounter trials. Trials will come in your life. I am not here to promise you that following Jesus makes things easier. In fact, it'll probably make things a, really, a little tougher because you are going to be going countercultural to everything that is happening on earth or most things. And what he's saying is like when you go through trials and you stand firm and you don't waver and you say this isn't it, what happens is your faith goes through a fire and it comes out better than gold. Better than gold. That your relationship with Jesus, your awe of Jesus is better than anything that you have here on earth. So trials, hard times, confusion, frustrations. In fact, I feel like for most of you in this room today, as I've said these words, things have popped up in your mind. Decisions you've made out of fear, frustration, confusion. Times when you are literally fearful for yourself, for your mind, for your relationships, for your friendships, whatever it is. They will all come. And you can try and follow Jesus. In fact, do follow Jesus. Because those trials will become more real and more real and more real in your life. The longer you go, ask any of your counselors in this room. The longer you go in life, the longer you follow Jesus. Things just don't get simpler. The enemy attacks more. The world attacks more. You feel more strange in this land. But here's the thing, like Daniel, being a part of God's family means that you are in a strange land. Get this, 
You don't belong here. You don't belong here. If you follow Jesus, if you're in God's family, if you say, I trust in him, this is no longer your home. You are now in Babylon. And home is all the way back there. But because in, you're not in this home, you will face trials. There will be moments where the strong people in the world will say, bow down to me. It'll be in, easy to succumb to fear and roll with it. But listen, don't waver. Fear God, not man. Be strong. Hold fast to your convictions and to God's love. And when you do that, trust him. If it ends well, praise God. If it ends rough, Praise God, because guess what? This isn't it. This isn't it. The team is going to come up, and they're going to sing. They're going to sing the song we just sang, the last one. And, and I want you to really think about, before you start lifting your hands, sing it out loud, look at the lyrics because it's Daniel's story. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. He is more worthy than all things. He is holy. He is worthy of our awe and wonder. So I will build my life upon his, what? Love. And if you are going to stand firm in that, then worship out of that place. That may mean, listen, that you step away from the people that are next to you because you're not conf going to conform to the ways of this age. You're like, no, this is the moment today that not only will I trust Jesus, I won't waver, but I realize that this isn't it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that everything you have is better than anything the world can give us. We thank you that when we are filled with fear, your word says, your message says, your love says, fear me. And that's not a fear of punishment. That is an awe and respect of who you are, your character, all of everything you have. The fact that we can trust you, that you are for our good, that you hold everything in your hands, and you are so much better than anything of this age. God, this fear thing is real. I was afraid of coming up here and speaking to a bunch of teenagers. People were afraid of coming to this camp and experiencing you, maybe. It's their first time here. We have fears waiting for us at home. They're resonating in our mind, things that we're just scared of. God, may we fear you before we fear the circumstances of our lives. In the face of overwhelming pressure, may we stand firm in who you are. Stand firm in our convictions of you. May that lead to a deep trust of your plan in our lives, of your love in our lives, of what you want to do through and in us. And Lord, when, when things of this earth are so enticing, when we're scared and we just start grabbing for things in culture to fit in, we have FOMO, whatever it may be, when confusions and frustrations come in and we just want to hold on to the earth, Lord, may we be reminded that people who fear earth looking down but we look up 
because we know this isn't it. That everything else could be wiped away, but because we stand firm in you, because we trust you, we have everything we need. So in the good times we praise, in the rough times we praise. You are worthy of every song we could ever sing. We pray this in Jesus' holy, mighty, and righteous name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.